today's guest, UFC fighter on a nine-fight winning streak. If I can put you on your back and you can't move, bad luck, you lose every fight. In one of my fights, I kicked this guy and I broke his leg. And I knew as soon as I kicked it, I'd broke it. And and I looked at him and I said, hey, I looked at him, I said, hey, I just broke your leg. Where I thought, which eye is it? And I'm like, it's that eye. And I just went, <laughs> boom. Elbows, yeah. And I hit him and it just split. Give it up for the Backersmarsh born Far Jack, Jack Jenkins. Yeah, Jackie boy. People want to be part of a winning team. People can find a better version of themselves. If they choose. Hmm. You just need to go start some shit. Action is all that matters. Be a man of your word. I think I look back now and I'm like, well, that took some guts. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. See you at the top. New episode every Wednesday. Right, all right. Are we on, boys? Bum gun. Are you going to hit play, Brucey? That's the music, man. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. (laughs) What? I was going to ask. I forgot about this. Do you boys ever... um, This might sound strange. Strange I don't know if it sounds strange or not. Usually does sound strange (laughs) if your name's next to the preamble. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you ever use a disabled bathroom? Have you ever sort of gone on busting, there's a disabled, the green light's on, straight in? Oh, one of the ones with the push buttons and yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah reli- religiously as I can because they're they're good for. You can swing a I cat in a room. Say that, <laughs> no, no. So well, sometimes when you got the kids and stuff, it can be good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, okay, so so yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, yes, yeah. I've been in them because yeah. I I had something happen to me. I don't know, years ago now, a while ago, but I just saw it happen to someone else, and it traumatized me. Took me back to the time it happened to me. So but, you saw it happen to someone oh, else. Let me You're explain, asking for let me a friend explain, of a friend. No, no, yeah, yeah. Let me explain. Yeah, friend of a friend. Let me explain. Have you ever? So you go into a, a disabled toilet and you use it, and you know how they got the mechanics, mm. and they're pretty big, and the bowl's normally a fair way from the door. Mm. Also, disabled bathrooms always they go they open directly onto the public wherever. So mm. the one I'm talking about that I saw recently was uh, Northern Hospital. Yeah. So it literally opens onto the foyer of the Northern Hospital. There's like people everywhere, mm. right? I saw, I was walking past, and a lady was sitting on it, using it, and the door flung open. Oh, no. <laughs> Shit, so the timer's just... So the timer, or she didn't click it properly, and it's open, and everyone's like, so I turn around, and she's like stuck on the thing. Stuck on you the sort of think, You sort of think, oh, well, you know, play with fire, you did, get burnt. Did you rush in there to close it for her? No, but I was, <laughs> I, it took me back to a time... <laughs> but it took me back. Her husband was at the door. He all got all a bit flustered and shit. Everyone was sort of... But it took me back. I think it was Northland. It was a shopping centre. Happened to me once, right? I think it was Northland, but this one was set up where the uh, the bathroom, the the entrance to the male and the females was opposite to the entrance to where the door opened, right? I went in, I did the same thing, went in, <laughs> and the fucking door opens, people are coming out the bathrooms, I'm just fucking sitting there, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I genuinely reckon I've done it before, like out, like in a park or something. Yeah. You got those ones and the automatic doors. I've done it. How, I thought it feels like an eternity for it to close. Waddled over and shut it. <laughs> so that's that was my next question. Do you a sit there and patiently wait for it to close and just sort of say hi to everyone? Isn't the button right next to the toilet? Though? No, because the button. No. no, the button's over near the oh. door. Or do you do, or do you get up and try and cover yourself and waddle over to the door and get it and then start pressing oh, the button? I reckon you waddle. Oh, I don't trust it's going to shut. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like I can tell you, you from experience. If you want something done, Benny, you do it yourself. Well, you know that's what I was going to say. I can tell you from experience. I took the one where you waited and it felt like an eternity, man. <laughs> so you're just making eye contact with everyone while you're sitting there on the dunny. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> anyway. 
Anyway, Ugh. I just oh. saw it. I, I'd forgotten it happened to me before, but I, I genuinely try not to use them these days from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. Right. So That's Benny good. Stark good work, is, Benny. I, I did have another question as well, if, if, yeah, go if on. you've got a oh. minute. If it's quick. Have you guys ever thought about, has anyone ever spoken to you about the significance in like numbers and stuff? Like 11, 11, 111, Does that mm. bring in any kind of battle? Yeah, everyone always says 11, 11, make a wish. Okay, is that, how that what it is to you? So, yeah. Well, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got a lucky number, don't they? Well, not a lucky number, but I think there's but like there's... significance, like spiritual right. and... No? Okay, go I'm on. I'm just wondering, no, because 11, 11, I got told about my mum's not around, right? Mm. And, uh, and since someone sort of told me about it, kind of keeps fucking popping up and for me they told me it means that someone's here someone's with you someone's present yeah so i was just wondering if so is that when you notice that it's 11 11 yeah so whenever it's 11 11 i feel like something like 11 11 pops up there yeah it pops up there pops up there it could be sort of anywhere and stuff yeah i can actually show (laughs) two minutes you know yeah you know what yeah true Two minutes we're on boys (laughs) well you know what the funny part is pk and you can vouch for me you can see my phone but i've been taking photos and shit very weirdly man over the last few days, four, four, four. That's a four, four, four. That's an eleven, eleven. Oh. I, li- I must admit, I like seeing those little what's coincidences. That? That's another one. Four, four, four. Yeah. Benny, my birthday's ten, ten. Well, sorry, one zero zero one zero one. Is there anything in that? What, what's yours? Ten oh one oh one. Nah, well, fucking, oh, not that I know of. <laughs> but well, is that a thing or not? Or am I tripping? I think oh, it's not up my alley. Dep- I, I, it depends who you to talk to. Your own. So yeah. I'm trying to figure yeah. out whether it's real or whether it's a coincidence. Now that I'm aware of it, that I keep seeing. Well, now it. you're looking for it. Yeah. Law of attraction. Yeah. I don't feel like you're I am looking for it. it. I feel like it just keeps. Well, it, it happens. It happens. Like it's, it's happened gonna happen in every day. <laughs> well, you're, you're <laughs> it's waiting happened for a lot, yeah. but you've never seen it before, have you? Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah. So now, like, it's like the red cars and that. You know. But yeah. but I I do like seeing that stuff. Yeah, I like it, and, and I'm shout out the fact that it's one minute away is pretty ridiculous as well. Yeah, that well true. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. No, but 11, shout out 11, Dingo. 11. Mate, mate, Dingo's found he's found he's found the light. <laughs> oh, is this from Dingo? <laughs> ah, well, Dingo's. <laughs> no, I'd heard about it before. Now Dingo's found the light, and he's explaining it to me. Going, if it's from Dingo, it must be legit. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> Love you, Dingo. All right, let's do it. Eh? Let's do it. Welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. We have a little fish. We speak to the big fish about town each and every week. Please like, share, subscribe, five-star reviews, comments. We love it. Bruce is in there, chipping away. Say good day. He says good day. It's even exciting as he just did then. <laughs> All right, let's get into this guest, guys. We're raring to go. Today's guest, UFC fighter on a nine-fight winning streak. Let's go. Oh, Benny. Let's fucking go. Come, come on, on Benny. Calm your farm. Before blasting into the UFC with a controversial but dominant performance on Dana White's Contender Series. We love Dana, don't we? <laughs> he cut his teeth in the Hex Fighting Series and was the featherweight champion at Eternal MMA. From sparring with the Volk, the Volk. your boy. Yeah. <laughs> Little Fish's own, maybe. Uh, <laughs> to the UFC's bright lights, we get to unpack the life of one of the UFC's and Australia's hottest prospects. Benny. Benny, Benny. If you know, you, you know. know. Fucking oath. So that's his. We know, boys. We know. <laughs> and he's and he's Collingwood's own here. You know, floats around Collingwood, floats oh, around point? the fish factory. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I thought Collingwood. Collingwood as well. Like, as in, Mac- oh, the Footy Club. Hope not. No, no way. 
Wash your mouth out. <laughs> Give it up for the Backers Marge born one trick pony. I didn't write this. Who wrote this? <laughs> I wrote it. One trick pony. I don't think you're a one trick pony, mate. Far Jack, Jack Jenkins. Yeah, Jackie boy. Far Jack. Far Jack. And yeah, one trick pony wasn't me, mate. That's Benny. Nah, that's, no, that was- I've, that's the tagline now. So I've, I've run with it. You just go. Owning it. it. Owning it. Yeah, 100%. Turn it. Turn a, uh, a negative comment into a positive. Well, that's the thing. When they think you're a one-trick pony, you come out and you got all the tricks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jack, thanks so much for coming on. Nah, thanks for having me. It's good. You guys have a great studio and it's nice and close by for me. I walked here this morning, so it's good. Yeah, we've got one of the boys. Shout out. Alex is uh, here. He, he rolls down there as well. He, ro- he rolls in from lunch, all sweated up, you know, <laughs> gets a sneaky elbow in the... I still reckon I've got, I've got him covered. He, he complains <laughs> when he gets mauled in the morning as well. He's a bit rattled some mornings. <laughs> I think a few of the boys get the better of him down there. They do. You Young Alex? Hey? They train hard. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Have you graded yet? Uh, not absolute. I was away during grading. Oh, okay. Are you a blue belt or a white belt? or yeah. White belt. Nice. Is that good? I've got my no, daughter who's start. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my, the beginning. My daughter's, but... uh, my daughter's uh, she's here. Shout out Brixton. She's down there. She's a grey white belt. Oh, nice. But kids, I think they grade. Do they grade them a bit different? Yeah. Yep. So he's completely she's different. Yeah, grey white, two or three stripes. Yeah. Yeah. So the way in jiu-jitsu it works is it doesn't matter what color junior belt you get when you turn sixteen, you get your blue belt. You start at blue. Yeah. Cool. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Even the kids, because she's got some kids in her class that are, I think, orange or yellow, yellow and black. So even when they turn 16, even though they've progressed so they far through start, the kids, mate. they, they go back again. to blue. Um, or they might be able to jump. The well, blue. they go forward to blue because okay. the, the kids' grading isn't, the, the kids' oh, doesn't belt doesn't translate to an adult belt. Some kids who are really, really good might go straight from kids to purple, but I've never seen that. They would need to be really good. Yeah, right. So where did you start? Where? How old were you when you... Um, I started gym. I started jujitsu when I was uh, fifteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. and I, but I'd already been kickboxing for a couple of years then. Mm. Um, but yeah, I love I, I even when I was at the kickboxing gym though I wanted to fight MMA. So I used to watch like YouTube videos and that sort of thing on how to do grappling moves and wrestling and stuff. And my kickboxing coach sometimes would just let me do grappling during kickboxing class, which was pretty cool. Where were you training at that time? Um, at Ziggy's gym in Back Smash. It's this old. Yeah, um, awesome gym like looking back on it i love it now it was like real salt of the earth it was a small area of a shed that had been cut off it was a tire a tire fitting place that ziggy owned everlast tire service and he had a gym out the back and um you know a lot of people a lot of young blokes in town in back of smash who you know might have been in trouble as a kid or anything ended up there um you know and he he changed a lot of people's lives just hard as like Ziggy's way or the highway from when you walk in the door you you, you get asked a question you answer yes no you don't talk back you don't swear in the gym to real like hard old school kickboxing and I'm, I'm really grateful I went there because I probably um, learned a lot about uh, pushing yourself when you think you're done as a really young kid, sort of like 13 to 16 when it's, you're still malleable. Like you can, you can take a lot of that on. Um, yeah. So I was at Ziggy's gym in Bacchus and then, um, my brother found that a jujitsu gym had opened in Melton, which is about 15 minutes away from us. And that was the closest one at the time. And he took me down there and, uh, yeah, just started, started the full MMA journey from then. 
Yeah, that's full on. Is Ziggy in that space gone? Nah, he's yeah. still there. He's still there. I think Ziggy, like, I think he's probably just at the end now where he sort of paid his dues and I don't think he's going to really train any more fighters or anything like that. Yeah. He's just going to keep it open for kids. Like, for, you know, for... The, some of us who have come through and some people who are still in back of smash to be able to, um, you know, use the gym and stuff. But I think his time training fighters is, is done now. Yeah. Um, he's put in a good, a, a good stint. Um, but like when I got on my UFC debut in Perth, I was really lucky. Um, me and one of the other fighters named Ricky Leonard, we bought him a ticket for the oh, UFC debut. Right. And then, and then we went back to the gym and we surprised him. He didn't even know we were coming oh. in, and we gave him the ticket to the UFC, and he was uh, he was pretty emotional. It was great. Oh, I was gonna, yeah. That's going to ask you. He must be wrapped to see. You're yeah. up to eye then, PK. I thought you were well enough. <laughs> no, no, I love that. Yeah, it is sick. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. It's good. Like we, sick we, card as well. That was how good was that over in Perth, man? Unreal. What the hell? Yeah, it was a, a lot of people I've spoken to. Like I've spoken to people who played in AFL premierships, who have been to grand finals, been to NBA games, and most of them have said that. The Perth UFC was the best sporting event they've ever been to. Yeah, I, I know. Shout out Pato, um, that he used to play. Adam Patterson used to play for Richmond over there, and he was over there. Man, he just—he's gone. Next time you're gonna come, dude. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, unbelievable. It's insane, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you train. Um, talk to us. You know, your first fight, like in the research, your your debut didn't probably go the way you wanted it to. Uh, um, my debut as a fighter, or in the UFC, or no, as, as a fighter, you as you, a fighter, as, yeah. yeah. Um, my debut, I finished the guy in the first round, so it went pretty well. No, was that 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 was your uh, sorry? So that was your amateur, but pro? No, that was pro. I didn't have an amateur career. Oh, that's why it's confusing. Yeah, yeah. nah. So I went, I went straight pro. Like it was gotcha. hard for me, um, given the level that I was at. Like I was pretty naturally talented, and because I've been training since I was thirteen, fourteen, it would have been almost um, disingenuous for me to to go through the amateur ranks at that time yeah. um so i debuted as a professional like i had no amateur fights i went straight to the pro scene um and i won my first fight i finished the guy in the first round second fight finished the guy in the first round third fight finished the guy in the first round and then once that once i'd had those three like really big performances and i was already selling a lot of tickets getting big crowds yeah. to come to the fights um it was kind of like i got put in this position where nobody of a similar well, there wasn't many people of a similar caliber and experience who would fight me because it didn't make sense for them. And then the only other options were the guys who were at the very upper echelon of the division. Yeah. Um, so I fought a guy named Jesse Medina, who it was my fourth fight and it was his 14th fight. Um, and he was ranked number two in the country. And I lost that fight, um, you know, inexperienced. And I got beaten by a better man. And then I struggled to get a fight against anyone else in the country. So I had to fight a guy from Korea and um, I lost to him as well. And then I've gone on the nine fight streak right. since yeah, then. From the two, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. The video that I saw started at that two that yeah. you did and then yeah. progressed from that. So it was really interesting because Jesse, who beat me the first time, um, we had a rematch years later yes. for the Australian title and I broke his leg and, and finished broken him. broken a few legs too. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And the Korean guy who I lost to, he just got into the UFC. So, because I was during COVID when we couldn't fight here, I was like on the phone to Korean promoters. I was like, let me come to Korea. Like, I want to fight him. Like, I, it's chip on the shoulder, right? Like, you want to get that one back. <laughs> yeah. And um, when I got into the UFC, I was like, I hope he gets in 
because I want that one back. Yeah. Like I really want that one back. So, you know, we, we might be on different trajectories for now, but if he makes his way and gets into the top 15 and maybe there's a chance to get that one back, then I'll, I'll be happy to get that one back. But, how, how did he beat you? Uh, he submitted me. Now, what, what, what was the submission? Rear naked choke. Oh, yep. bastard. Yeah, I saw that. It looked, <laughs> it looked awkward. It looked awkward. <laughs> did yeah. you tap or? Yeah, tap. You're a, yeah, yeah, smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that don't tap, you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, yeah. just tap. Go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go nine eyes. So going going on that journey, talk to me like Benny knows it very well. Um, talk to me about that journey and then what the UFC sort of means. Like I understand UFC's the pinnacle and, you know, they've started a fantastic thing there. But, you know, for you getting getting invited there and, and sort of doing well. To, to the contender you know, series, like? yeah, yeah what was sure. the, what was that like? Yeah, the call to get well, that? like sort of, um, if I can go like a little before the contender series, um, what makes MMA so unique for athletes like me and other guys who have been on that that path is that, like, uh, we make no money from fighting. Like by the time by the time you've taken a few shifts off work and that sort of thing, you don't you lose money every time you fight. So like the most money I ever made for a fight on the local scene was like two grand. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably in the, the upper end for some guys. Uh, but in that, you still have to train twice a day. I'm still running like 50K a week for road work. I'm still, so I was like pulling beers at the pub in Bacchus Marsh. I would train in the morning, train in the afternoon. And then I would start my shift at five at the pub and I would work till like 12 or one. And then I would go home and sleep. And then I would get up to drive back to Melbourne in the morning to train again train in the afternoon, drive home. Professional athlete. Yeah, and, and you, you have to, it's really hard because you're expected to, and you have to, to be good enough to get there, live that life as a professional athlete, but there's no money there to back you to do it. There's no infrastructure that helps you. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard and it's really good. It's like, it's good character building. I think it, it sort of forges you in that and the people who aren't cut out for it get weeded out really quickly. Um, so I was on the local scene, still fighting for a while. Um, and then I joined Absolute, which is in Collingwood. Um, I was still training. My brother was mostly my coach. My brother was holding pads for me and doing that sort of stuff. And he had a kid and then his life sort of changed and he couldn't dedicate as much time to me. And, you know, he was never a coach. He was just sort of filling a void because I didn't have anyone yeah. at the time. And... Um, and then I joined the gym in at Absolute here and I've gone nine in a row since then. But even then at the gym at Absolute, I would drive in, because I'm from Bacchus Marsh, I would drive in on a Monday morning and I would take like a bag and a heap of food and I would sleep on the floor at the gym Monday night, Tuesday night. And then I would go home Wednesday and I would get new clothes and I would get more food. And then I would drive back in and sleep at the gym Thursday night, Friday night, and then go home after training. Um, so it's uh, it's really tough to be a fighter on the local scene and then once you get to the ufc it's like well now it's it's similar but you're just against the best guys in the world so it's a um it's a daunting prospect for someone who wants to do it for a living and you're still you're still on a rookie contract in the ufc as well aren't you yeah i'm still on my base contract, base contract yeah, yeah so i had the opportunity um to renegotiate my contract most people will and all the advice i got i, I manage myself i don't have a manager and all the advice I got from managers and people in the industry is get off your base contract as quick as you can because the, the sooner you get off the base contract, the quicker you start making more money. And after my last contract, after my last fight, sorry, I could have gone and asked to renegotiate. But I kind of like, I've worked so long to get here. I, I didn't want to throw all my chips in at once. So I, I held back 
and I'm backing myself and taking another fight on shit money fucking in up. Sydney because I feel like I'm going to have a big breakout performance there and then I can Let's sit at... fucking go! Come on! <laughs> and then I can sort of sit at the table with the guys and be like, because Dana's coming to this one. Sean and Mick will be here. Hunter already knows me. Hunt, do you know Hunter Campbell? Yeah, yeah, it's Hunter Campbell. So Hunter, Sean Shelby. Yeah, so Hunter's already fairly aware of who I am yeah. and, and what I'm about, but... It'll be good when Dane is here and I have this big performance. And I think once they see the way the crowd interacts with me when yeah. I walk out at a venue and, and see the performance I'm going to put on in Sydney, that's when I'll sit down at the table and go, all right, let's renegotiate now. Yeah. Rather than throwing my chips in on two fights. Yeah, pulling Who, the trigger Who's the poor guy in Sydney? Yeah. Sounds like he's... Uh, his name's Chepe Marisal. Oh, so sorry. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's really good. He's fought, he's fought, I think on his record, he's fought like six or seven guys who are already in the UFC. Um, he's tough. He trains with Justin Gagey. Really contrasting. Oh, so what's the name's his coach? Um, Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman. Maybe. Team Elevation doesn't really work like that. They all kind of come together, but they all have different coaches. So he might be Trevor Whitman. He might not be. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Chepe is yeah Chepe's coming down September 10th and, and we'll see how we go there. But as far as styles go, my last fight, Jamal Emmers, that was the hardest style for me personally. I deal really well with guys my height. I deal really well with grapple-heavy guys. I deal really well with tall guys who are Muay Thai fighters who kick a lot. Nice. The toughest style for me to deal with just personally is tall boxers. Like that's always been sort of like if I had a kryptonite, it would be tall guys who, who box predominantly. So what's that, like a reach? Um, it, it's just the way I stand, the way I change stances. Um, you know, obviously my stature, I'm not super tall for a featherweight that that's just the most difficult angle for me to play. Um, and that's what I had in Jacksonville against Jamal, a tall guy with really good hands. Whereas now I'm coming back to Chepe and Chepe is about my height and he's a little bit more wild and he punches and kicks and he, he his boxing isn't super clean. It's more of a, a wild style, which is like, I'm, I'll be like a surgeon in there. Like it'll it'll be straight yeah. You're gonna piece him up. Yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be straight up the middle, and it'll be it'll so be over. So that just to get the boys up to speed. Sort of so one of Jack's, from what I understand, one of his greatest strengths is his, his fight IQ, man. Yeah. So and, and which is the same as Volk, right? So the best fighters, they're smart, man. They can see what they're gonna bring, and they know what tools they've got. And Jack. Like the, that's the funny thing about the uh, one trick pony fucking thing and why he leans into it because that's he's the opposite of that. Yeah, hundred percent. Jack, Jack's actually the opposite of a one trick pony. He can do it all and he can do it all at the right level. Yeah. And so these can, guys and come can, along. You can, can analyze what the yeah. other bloke's doing and, and adapt. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. So in my last fight against Jamal, um, he, I went to Southpaw. So we we're in opposite stances. He was the orthodox. I was Southpaw. And he threw a cross at me and I pulled back from his cross and then I threw a left cross. And I heard his coach yell at him and say, you've seen the counter now, so you know what to do. So I immediately thought about what his coach said. What he knows he's and do. I said, well, he's going to pull off my cross and counter again with a cross. So he's going to go cross, pull, cross. So instead of pulling off his cross and throwing a single, I pulled off his next cross and threw a cross hook. So it's like the... There's like massive levels to the game, man. and that was like in it. That was an interaction, and that whole thing went through my head in about half a second. That's what I was gonna say. That's a split yeah. second yeah, like, muscle memory. Yeah, fucking bright. So like this, it's so deep the way the game works, um, yeah. and a lot of people like you see people just punching each other, and you don't realize there's like so many split second decisions that are happening, and the difference between winning and losing is often one split second decision where you make the wrong one. 
Correct. And and that's why you're backing yourself, right, Jack? Because you know. If you know, you know. You know yeah, what I exactly. mean? If, you, if you're looking at the other guy and you, you go, oh, I know, man. I, you, you know your capabilities and you can see. If you, you, can, just, you just need to execute. You just need to go out end. and execute and stay in the moment and do what they train. But yeah, that's sick. So I've got, got a question. Is it So you speak about there's a bit of natural talent at the start and then that analytical sort of brain comes in as well while you're fighting. Mm. Does instinct come into it as well? Like when yeah, it, well, it's, it's hard to, like instinct's hard to, like instinct and natural ability are probably similar. Mm. One thing about instinct is like, we, how, how bad do we swear on this show? We, no, fuck. I have a lot of guys who are like quite athletically gifted. They just got no cunt in them. Like they just don't want to like, <laughs> yeah, like they just don't have that like, yeah. Like you have to have a little bit of enjoyment in beating someone. Yeah, like you yeah, have yeah. to have that. You're smiling during your fights as well. Yeah, like there's so many guys who come in and that you watch them hit pads and they're really good on the pads and then they're like six pack ripped up, like yeah. athletic dudes. And then it gets a little tough and I'm like, Warrior oh, man, Warrior and I'm like, dude, oh yeah. you don't want this. Like, <laughs> and, and, then, and then it's like you, the ones, all, all of us, like everyone in the UFC is like that, right? Like yeah. you don't get to the UFC without having that in you. Um, but in terms of instinct, I think having that killer instinct and, and wanting to, being willing to like really put it on someone. Mm. Uh, and even in training, like I'm, I struggle sometimes in training. Like if I'm getting the better of someone and my coach is like, come on, let's go. You got to work your stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. This guy's not up to it. I'm not gonna. You know, yeah, I'm not. I str- his yeah, I struggle. I struggle with that. Whereas when I t- when I show up to the fight, I'm really good at flicking the switch. Like if like one in one of my fights, I kicked this guy and I broke his leg. And I knew as soon as I kicked it, I'd broke it. And you and I know. looked at him and I said, Uh-oh. hey, I looked at him. I said, hey, I just broke your leg. And he looked back at me and he goes, he goes, did ya? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm gonna keep kicking it. And he looks at me and he's a dog too. And he goes. Fair enough. And then, <laughs> and then I kicked it one more time and he was like, I'm done. Is it, is it a true stat that you broke four legs in a row? Uh, it was wasn't it four? four in a row. It's five out of the last seven. <laughs> five out of the last seven. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's and my stat. leg kick like... Is this so, a one-trick pony? That just yeah, 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 yeah. My, um, my leg kick isn't even my biggest weapon. Like what, would it, you, what would you say apart from... Because I reckon your fight IQ is. Yeah, fight IQ is my number one attribute. But Definitely. in terms of if I just had to pull it down to like single weapons, my left kick is better than my right kick. Okay. Hmm. And what you what would you say is your favourite martial art? Um, probably Muay Thai. Yeah, right. Yeah. So most people jump. Most people say jujitsu. Would you agree? Or a lot? Um, a lot? It depends. Yeah. I don't know. Jujitsu. There's a lot of jujitsu guys who like jujitsu is like a cult. Like he knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like people people get involved. I always in, thought he was a bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> people people get involved in jujitsu and they just like. They just live and breathe yeah, it. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Like, you got, like, these, like, 40-year-old dental technicians who are just, like, walking around with shirts that it's, like, tap or snap. Like, give up. Like, <laughs> like, and it's just... And then they, like, you got guys, like, guys who go to, like, four, like four months of BJJ and then they change their Instagram handle to, like, Nathan Jones underscore BJJ. Like, they, <laughs> they just love it. So, I, you can see why a lot of people get on that. But, no, nah, I, I, I love the Muay Thai. What would you say is if, if you were, and this is always, a, I think this has evolved over time in the UFC, but what right now, what would you say if you, if you, obviously these days, the Volk's a good example and you're another one it's, and, and Izzy even is, uh, you've got to be well-versed in, every, you can't have any weaknesses. Yeah. But I guess 
a lot of people do have strengths, you know, and they're obvious, like you said, coming up against a wrestler, coming up a jiu-jitsu guy or whatever. What would you say now? Because there was a time when I, I guess like Cormier and that wrestling was, you know, wrestling was winning with Khabib and Cormier, all of that, John Jones. What would you say would be if there was one skill would be the most dominant skill at the moment? No, it's still wrestling. Still wrestling? It's still, if somebody can like, that's just human combat, right? If I can put you on your back and you can't move bad luck you lose every fight yeah right, right. and and vice yeah. versa if i can stay on my feet and force you to do what i want to do then bad luck for you so it's still wrestling that, and i don't think it will ever change outside of wrestling because if you can put someone on their back you can control them once you take somebody's feet out mm-hmm. from underneath them they have no ability produced to produce a lot of energy a lot of force right so as soon as you don't have your feet underneath you your ability to knock me out goes down to essentially zero. Yeah, the odds, the odds start. To yeah, swing the odds swing the other way. So it's still, if you look at all the divisions, still it's it's guys who can wrestle that are on top. And it's and it, and it's or it's the guys that can wrestle or the ones that can stop the takedown. Well, right? ones who are good at anti anti wrestling, so, yeah. which would be like potentially like an Izzy. Yeah, Izzy. Yeah, Izzy's a, Izzy's a G. He's so good at it. Oh like yeah. His, his his ability to stop takedowns from really high level wrestlers is incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, Jack, I'm interested, like you talk about coming in from Bacchus Marsh to the Collingwood gym, sleeping there. You know, that can't have been always an enjoyable journey. There must have been times where you go, am I going to do this? Am I going to continue doing this? Whether you speak to people around you, your brother, you know, where are we headed with this? Is was You know, talk to us about those times that potentially it wasn't going to be or, um, or has it just been so laser-focused the whole yeah, time? Yeah, see, that's where, like, I think... I think it, in my head, I've always been a superstar, right? Like I've always, <laughs> like I've always genuinely had this belief that like I was meant, I was meant to be on the big stage and I was meant to do big things. And, and even like, that's what, that's what people who are successful are always made out of. Like, it's easy if you come in, like it was easy for me when I was three and zero and, you know, everyone was starting to say, look at this kid, like he's pretty good. It was easy then to go. I'm going to be in the UFC. I'm going to keep training. That, that, like things are going well. It's, it's super easy. When I've lost two fights in a row and everyone's going, oh, he can't even beat guys on the local scene. How's he going to go if he ever gets to the big, the big stage? That's when it's hard to visualize and go like, I'm, I'm going to get there. But even when I lost those two fights, like, you could genuinely have asked me the day after I lost the second fight and I would have been like, yeah, I'll be a world champ. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just, I genuinely just always thought I was going to be a superstar. Like, I still, like, I'm not there yet and I still just have no doubt. It's weird. Yeah. It's a... Crazy. It's, it's, you know, it's Dana, awesome. Dana talks about it, right? And he can't explain it. He says there's certain fighters that they just have that it. Yeah. Right? Like, Izzy was one of them. Sean O'Malley. There's, there's you know, Hamza. Like, there's just guys that transcend the other guys. And Volk. So, Volk was the opposite, right? Volk had to earn his respect mm. because he was a quiet, under-assuming guy. But he's a fucking killer. Mm. And, he, you know, he's pound for pound best fighter in the world. So, he kind of had to, you know, he's always believed he was going to be great. But it was harder for him to get the, the you know, the external people to buy in. Whereas, yeah. like you were saying, three fights in, you're selling tickets. People are buying into you because it's something about your personality, which probably from within yeah. it's everyone else buying into to, it's not even hype right because that's the difference as well you can have the hype but it goes nowhere unless you can fucking back it up yeah like, well like, there's in there's intangibles like it 
you know, you can call it X factor or, or whatever you want to call it. There's certain things that some people just have and some people don't. And I know there's certain X factors and physical attributes and stuff that I don't have and that I'll never have. And I can worry about the stuff that I don't have or I can sort of take take the stuff that I do have and run with it, which is like, you know, I can I can speak fairly eloquently when I want to. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good at interacting with people and with fans and stuff like that. So I try and lean into that a lot. Um, and uh, I really more than anything, I just love fighting. Like I really like to fight. Like you can see, I do smile when I fight. Like I find it, I find it really enjoyable. So, were you fighting when you were a kid? Were you like out brawling? At yeah. The- so I'm the youngest of um, three brothers, and my elder brother was like probably one of the most talented like fighters. He was five and I was a kickboxer, and he, he went down a different path. But he would have been in the UFC if he wanted to. Um, and we used to fight a lot. We used to fight a lot. There's, I got this really good story. I don't think I've told this on a podcast. So you might get a first here. So I was I was playing rugby in the winters and I was playing I was kickboxing and my jujitsu in the summer. And it was a winter and our parents had gone away for the weekend and my brother's three years older than me. And I came home and he had he was having people over and there was like a few girls there and they're having drinks or whatever. And I think I was like fourteen and I just started um, the kickboxing. Probably been doing it like six or twelve months. And um, I wanted to go to bed and I walked into the room and I'm like, can you keep it down? And he's like, fuck off, mate. Like, go to, <laughs> shut up and go to bed. Like, as you treat your little brother. And then there was a few people around and I got a bit high and mighty and I was like, well, fucking put the gloves on and like, <laughs> fucking see what happens. And he's like, and he was still young too. Like, he was probably only 16 and he was like, yeah, fuck right, oh. And we get up and there's all these, there's all these people watching and I'm like, fuck yeah, here we go. This is going to be sick. And I stand in front of him and he just goes fucking bang. And he punches my head and my head goes straight through a window. <laughs> and then my head smashes through the window and everyone just stops and it's dead silent. And he takes the gloves off and he's like, go to bed. And we tell mum that we were just mucking around and I accidentally pushed you. And I take the gloves off. I'm like, yep, sweet, man. Straight, <laughs> straight to bed. So, yeah, we, Does we, mum know yet? Are we going to send no, her? Mum probably, <laughs> probably still doesn't know that. There's, well, yeah, she'll, she listens. My mum listens to literally every piece of media or podcast or interview that I do. What's so your mum's name? Sending you the Her bill? name's Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Joe. Joe. Let's yeah, go. Let's she was, go. It was actually funny. Mum's so into the game now that on my social media, I put up a post like three or four months ago and I was like, comment like a racehorse emoji if you want me to fight on international fight week oh, i saw that yeah. and it got like i think it got over a thousand comments and my mum went through and individually liked everyone who put a <laughs> who put a race horse emoji <laughs> she loves it oh, big Thanks. fan that's Thanks, good mom. hey can i can i ask you you mentioned like we've spoken a bit about your iq your fight iq and stuff and the thing i'm trying to piece together you didn't have a coach you had your brother holding the, the pads and stuff you come from back of so i'd imagine there wasn't a massive community up there um, and you know, most of most people learn from others, right? So, mm. where do you think, you know, where did you find that initial source of knowledge, and then and then how do, how have you been able to sort of work that, you know, work that uh, fight the the fight knowledge? Who, who, who's sort of helping you there? Um, there's lots of different ones. I used to watch a lot of Dominic Cruz breakdowns, oh, he's a, which yeah. is funny because I used to watch Dominic Cruz breakdowns, and then like four or five weeks ago, I was in a club with Dom Cruz, like drinking bottles so it was like it was a full circle yeah. there um did you have a photo with him yeah yeah, yeah i think photo, i saw that yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We were, he came out with us like three nights in a row yeah. like he loves it dom cruz Fuck, i was there man I was... yeah yeah <laughs> and um yeah i watched i watched youtube breakdowns and i have like a real 
good ability to translate like verbal information into like a physical like doing something so you can get the information and learn it really quick and yeah yeah okay. which i think is that that is probably on what we talked about in terms of talent like being able to see something and replicate it or get told something and then do it is a big factor here can i jump in yeah pre-fight is it a fight with linares and uh, a fan dm'd you yeah yeah can you talk us through that little story yeah for sure um so i was when i got it's, it's hard for me now because I'm a bit bigger, but yeah. when I was still on the local scene, I was really, really um, dogged on like anyone who sent me a message who said like, good job, whether I knew them or not, I would reply and say, thanks very much or whatever. And then when Contender Series got announced, I tried to keep that, keep that energy and I got like probably 500 to 1,000 messages the day they announced Contender Series. And I was going through replying to everyone saying, thanks very much, appreciate the support, thanks very much, thanks very much. And then there was one from this kid named Ben P. And he was like, hey, mate, I've watched every single one of your opponent's fights. And the only fight he lost was because he got cut. So he's never been finished. He's never been stopped outside of. He got cut above his eye and the doctor said, you've had enough time there. And, um, and then he was like, he sent me this photo and it was a screenshot from like a Peruvian MMA website. It was all in Spanish. Like I, I couldn't believe that he'd gone to this effort to find it. And he said, but it was such a big cut. I think if you hit, I think if you hit him there, you'll open the cut again. And I was like, cool. And, um, <laughs> so we got, we get into the fight and my game plan was to wrestle anyway, because he likes Freddie's thing was that he loved to brawl and he used to take a lot of shots and then as he would take shots, he would clip people and he'd drop them. And exactly. it was like, so why would I play that game with him when that's his A game? It makes no sense. So I went in and I put him on his back. And I remember there was a point in the second round where I thought, which eye is it? And I'm like, it's that eye. And I just went, <laughs> boom. Elbows, yeah. And I hit him and it just split, like instantly split, sprayed oh, blood on the commentators and everything. And I thought, fuck, Ben Pete, on the money. That was right. <laughs> and did so, you get around him after that? Yeah, so I got him. <laughs> I actually new coach, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, got him, I got him tickets to USC Perth. So he came over and- Oh, oh is that you flicking the tickets? Around? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I looked after him. It was good. How good's that? Yeah. Such a good story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and that just shows, I guess, the research- like you say, the, the IQ and the research that yeah. goes into before the fights. It's yeah, well, see, that, that story kind of, uh, every time that story gets brought up, my coach, go, my coach goes, oh, fucking Ben P. Like, like <laughs> oh, jo- jokingly, because my coach is, my coach Simon, just up the road. Yeah, who is his coach? What's his last name? Simon Carson. Okay. And he's the most detail-oriented, um, anal, over-prepared coach ever. So at, at the start of a fight camp, he sends me an Excel spreadsheet and it has every training session for every day from now until fight week. Wicked. Right? So morning, afternoon, cardio or strength. Morning, afternoon, cardio or strength. And everything I'm supposed to do. And obviously, he doesn't do my cardio or my strength stuff. That's my strength coach and certain things he delegates. But it still will be planned into the Excel spreadsheet. And on certain sessions, there'll be a focus because of something my opponent might do. And then there'll be a YouTube hyperlink to a clip of my opponent doing it so that I can visualize and go, okay, we're learning back defense here. He's an example of the stuff he does when he's on someone's back, right? So it's like super detailed. And he goes through this and he had obviously already identified that it was to take him down an elbow and punch. That was like the game plan. Uh, And then Ben P's getting all this credit (laughs) for acting and he's like, fucking Ben P. I've been doing this shit free for five years. What was, uh, what, 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 what was his background as well? Because, because, 
you know, the MMA is is a relatively new sport. The UFC is what thirty years this year. So, yeah. so what was his experience and background, and how did you find him as a coach? Um, I found him because um, after I lost those two fights, um, we we kind of sat down, and I did. I was at a gym called Metamorphica in Melton, which I was the only fighter in the gym, so. It, it just made no sense. And and Heath, who was coaching us in our jiu-jitsu and stuff at the time, he had no... And he was really honest about this, which is hard for a lot of people to do, to have a talented kid who yeah. you can attach yourself to, yeah. right? And he had no interest in doing that. He said, I'm never... Like, I don't have a stable of fighters and I don't have the will and the um, the time... Motivation. Motivation yeah. it would take to take you to where you can go. So eventually you're going to need to go somewhere else, which I think is like... It shows a lot of grace and humility from him to do that. Yep. So we, we sat down and we said, where do we go? And there was an opportunity, um, absolute, the gym up the road had a scholarship opportunity where they were going to send someone to Thailand. And I went to this day um, and it was like a trial day and there was a few other people there and I just like mopped up everyone else who was at the trial. <laughs> and then they rang me that night and they were like, oh, well, you can go to Thailand. and we'll, Whereabouts we'll, in Thailand you go? Uh, in Phuket. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, we have, Absolute has a gym in Phuket. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, so I went there and um, since that day, I've gone nine in a row and it's been huge for me. And Simon, Simon's background, like his military background, um, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. He fought on one championship. He's, he's had his own his own success. He was never, he came to it a little bit too late to take it as a full career as a fighter. But I think that sometimes the best coaches don't, don't come from being the best fighters. Like I honestly don't Absolutely. think, I don't think I'll be a great coach when I finish. Like I think I'll be, I'd be good at it and I understand the game, but I don't, have this big drive in me to take other people to that level like i'm a maybe it's a like i'm more focused on me i'm more like a selfish thing whereas simon's much more focused on building up everyone around him um that's probably true right if you think about the best uh or the biggest you know you've got eugene bearman i don't mm. know if he was a fighter yeah he was was he he? was but he he never fought in the ufc but he was good he fought he he fought for a long time what about uh what's the name uh uh, trevor trevor whitman yeah i don't know if trevor had fights or ufc fights but but a lot of the you're absolutely right like a lot of these guys that are the best coaches like it's not like george st pierre now has this stable of fighters like there's no anderson silver guys coming up where he's in the corner think it's it's a certain temperament to be able to be patient and and you know give that knowledge in a way that people take it do you guys with the camp because what i've noticed with the volk and uh and and the city kickboxing guys and stuff so with lopez and and they sort of they help each other out and stuff across across camps is that something that you guys do as well at absolute yeah absolutely so we um like volk comes down to absolute trains with us you know i was going to go up the last couple of times we've tried to do it, it just hasn't worked out because like obviously, obviously Volk was getting ready for Yair and I'm not Yair's build nor his style. So it just made no sense. And I was fighting Jamal and Volk wasn't any of that style. So while we could go and get really good rounds with each other, it made no sense from a style point of view. Yeah. Um, but Volk, you know, Volk will come down whenever whenever he's got time and I'll go up there. And, um, you know, one of my training partners is over at CKB now. Who's and, that? Um, Khan Offley. Um, he's really good. I think, I think there's a good chance you'll see him on the Sydney card. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we definitely, we haven't got like an official relationship with them or anything, but if any of those guys, so the Aussies all stick together, which, yeah. which is, which is what well, I me love. And, right? Me and Volk have already, like I've spoken about it where it's like, we always help each other until, until we have to cross that bridge. If we ever have to cross that bridge where oh, it of comes course, from. Of course, because you're on a, man, I've, I've had that in my nerve. 
I nearly missed that. Because <laughs> you're on a crash course. If Volk stays where he is, you're heading like a rocket ship yeah. into the 15 and then eventually yeah, towards it, the Volk, it, man. It feels funny. Like when I got asked that question a couple of times and it feels like you're standing on the shoulders of giants, like throwing stones down at them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Volk's done so much in the sport and I've had two fights in the UFC. So to even have my you know, from an outside, just on paper point of view, to have my name mentioned in the same sphere as Volk is like, you can almost look at it and go, fucking grow up. Like, yeah. but in on the other end of it, Volk was just me earlier in his career, 100%. right? So we got asked, me, I was sitting next to Volk. We did the ticket launch in Sydney um, last week and I was sitting next to Volk and I knew, because Volk and Ty had a few more interviews than me. There was a bit more media stuff they had to do so i said to my handler i said can i just go and hang out with the fans like in the crowd and she was like you can't go over the barricade but you can just go talk to him and i went and talked to the fans and this one kid was like pumped and he was like fuck fire jack you're my favorite fighter can i get a photo get an autograph and i'm like course 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 and then we went up and we did a fan q a and um this kid come i can see him in the line and i'm like oh no what's this kid gonna ask and he gets he gets he gets to the front of the line and he goes this is a question for jack I'm like, here we go. And he goes, when are you going to smash Volko and take his belt? I'm literally sitting next to Volk and uh, we're really good friends. And I go, oh, do you want to answer that one or do you want me to? Because we've had the conversation. Yeah, of course. And uh, he goes, you go. And, um, you know, I said, my favorite fighter growing up was Jose Aldo. And Jose Aldo defended the featherweight belt seven times. Volk's defended the belt five times. In a perfect world, Volk defends two more times. Maybe he has another go at the lightweight belt at some point in there too. He's at seven. Jose is at seven. When he goes to defend it eight times and break the record and become the unequivocal GOAT, oh. I would like to fight Volk in Melbourne for that Fucking belt. Fucking let's so, go, dude. So, so then and the have, Volk's up for that as well? Yeah, So the, and the Volk, sort of, he sat next to me and he, he smiled and slapped me on the leg and was like, yeah, you know. So we have no qualms about, like there's no animosity in saying that He's the champ and he's yeah. got the gold and, and I'm I'm someone coming up who wants that. Yeah. So it's not a it's not because you've got the Aljo thing, right? Because that kind of annoys me a little bit, the Aljo and Marab, and I do understand and respect it a bit, but mm. it's a sport. Find out who's I the think, best. I who's think the best. I think the slight best. difference between that is like those guys know each other inside out. True. So they train together every, every day, day. That's true. Right? Yeah. And they're and they're like Volk and I are really good friends and occasional training partners. We're not really good friends and teammates for years, yeah, right? Yeah, so, true. so it's slightly different. And we were out like me and Volk went to Mooney Valley races one day, and then went out one night, and we were sitting next to each other, and we had a conversation very similar to that, which is that Aussies and Kiwis will help each other right up until the point where we have to have to cro- yeah. cross that bridge. Yeah. And if that bridge never comes, good, we helped each other and we gave everything to try and bring the best out of each other and we do have to, and if we do have to cross that bridge at some point then so be it like yeah but the easy the easy and Whittaker one was probably the only one that they they had the animosity and they never really got the chance to i guess probably yeah they, they never trained and, together were never yeah. friendly and but. if you, if you look at Izzy and um Whittaker like they just they're just such different characters yeah, true. like they you like you couldn't imagine them sitting down and having a coffee together or going and having a beer together they're very different people um whereas Volk and I like both love footy both love getting on the beers both like 
very similar fight IQ, very similar mentality to the way we approach it. Same weight like, class. <laughs> yeah, same weight class. Like you can see why we get along. You can see why, you know, I look up to him and, and model myself on the way he's done a lot of things. So you can see why Izzy and Izzy and just, Whitaker yeah. were just kind of at each other a little bit. Yeah. But I like, I like both of them. I think Whitaker's a great guy and Izzy's one of Good the... Good fighter too, man. He was, that was heartbreaking... Uh... 290 yeah so i was gutted man because you sort of get used to with with me with 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 uh whittaker you get used to him winning man so you're just thinking he's gonna fucking get it done every time you know yeah i think he was just up for too long to be honest yeah yeah i think he just he had a, his prep was too long i think he probably went in underdone not underdone sorry that's the wrong word i think over, he went in overdone over, yeah overdone. um yeah. he looked leaner than he usually looks which for some people, that's a positive sign, like that they're in in shape. But for some other people, I think he probably just overtrained a little bit going in. His camp was a little too long. And um, do you talk to Woody? Do you talk to him at all? No, nah, we're not friendly like that. Yeah. Um, I talk to him at events and things like that. But yeah. that's the only time I would talk to Whitaker. I was going to ask that. Do you remember? Because you were there at two ninety as well. Do you remember the the young Aussie Shannon Ross? Like he he how you know, he's fight. Like for me, like I was there and I was pumped he was the first Aussie fight you know you're following the Aussies and stuff mm. when you see that because I like does that scare you at all do you nah. know what I mean like because because the thing I love about fighting is you just you it's so pumped you put everything on the line mm. in front of everyone you know and and it's it can be it's it's can be really really kind but it can also be really really brutal and cruel yeah so it's a stark reminder that that's like that is always an option for every every time Shannon? yeah I know Shannon yeah, yeah we fought on eternal together um, look, because I look at him, right? He's he was on a he was on a little bit of a losing streak. He's over there. Your career, you put every everything in. Yeah, he's got kids. Kids, like he's, the it's pressure, devastating. And stuff. Like I look at yeah. that, I really struggle with. Um, you know, I struggle after fights. I'm really good at flicking the switch, but before and after fights, sometimes I struggle with. Um, you know, my opponent. One example I gave is when I fought Freddie. He was from Ecuador, and I was looking up. Like before the fight, I was looking up and I realized that the difference between winning or losing for Freddie was like our fight purse was like the equivalent of an average salary in his country or even more than that. Um, and I I really struggled getting myself into a headspace where I wanted to take that away from him, given that, you know, I do have other opportunities here and that sort of thing. Um and, you know, you look at someone like Shannon and you watch from the outside in the stands and, and I know the backstory. I know what he went through to get there. And I, I saw him get KO'd and he didn't move for a long time. Yeah, and you think and you think about his wife sitting there and, and she's thinking about their kids. And it's... Uh, and but, it's but, 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 but the craziest part, which is spot on, but it's the build there as well, right? He's on, mm. the, he's on the Volk's card. He's getting press photos with the Volk. That's where my mind went. So this he's got his big opportunity and... And then it just—it's just brutally get you get knocked out. And yeah, and you make and you make half half, half the, money. the money. That's even <laughs> you make half the money Dana to be only away pays from your fuck family. Dana. He only pays you half if you lose. Man. Yeah. So, so did you know that PK? So in the in the UFC, you get uh, a, a show and win. So you get show money, which is half, and you only get the win money. Obviously, if you win, man. So I only get half your money. Unless stakes are high. Stakes are high, Dana's man. putting it out there. So can you share anything about Shannon's like little journey? Is it like, was there something specific that... that- um, look, there's certain things like, um, you know, Shannon had a tough fight. The night I won my Australian title, Shannon lost his Australian title to a guy named Steve Ursig, who's now in the top 15 in the UFC. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He had... And, 
and then he went away and won one fight and then he lost on contender and then he lost on Perth and then he lost in Vegas. Um, and it's, it's brutal. And at the top of the sport, the very best, you know, the very best people in the UFC, it's murder as well. As soon as you sign that contract and you're in the UFC, it's not, it's not, There's the, no easy fight. it's not the end of that. It's yeah. not like I'm here now. I did it. Yeah. It's like, well, now you've got to fight the fucking best guys in the world. So it's a, like I said earlier in the potty, it's a daunting prospect. So, I think I think Shannon he's been knocked out a couple of times now. Um, he's probably at that point with his kids where he and that sort of thing where he needs to decide what what he's going to do. Um, you know, was that that was his last fight on the con on the contract? I don't know. I don't know the details of his contract. Yeah. But I would. I, he needs to take if if he does fight again, he needs to take a long time off and he needs to figure out what he's going to do. That 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 takes Sound, his- sounds like a young man's sport feel like yeah, you get a, the family involved and yeah. stakes get high like you guys are going in there and a lot of bad shit can go on no doubt oh 100 percent. like I'm, i like to have the mindset the killer mindset when you got the kids at home yeah like, so like a, you know i'm i'm a fairly jovial character and, and i spend most of my time being really optimistic and happy and and you know talking about all the good things but when i lived in thailand one of my best friends and um from melbourne he came to thailand to live with me and um we shared a bunk bed in in um in our little bungalow at the gym and i flew home to fight on hex and he was supposed to come with me and his fight got cancelled so he took a a fight in bangkok instead and he flew to bangkok and got hit with an elbow and he had a brain bleed and he ended up in a coma and that happened about three months before covid and then we couldn't get him home for covid and uh he sat pretty much as a vegetable in a vegetative state in Thailand for three years. And then we only oh, just got him home at the start of this year. And now he's, uh, he's again, he's, um, he has no function. He can't speak. He can't eat. He can't, he can't respond to command. And um, that's that that's the, you know, the reality of the sport we do. And he's, you know, he's given his life for it essentially. And you, that's why I, I think, well, it's important to understand the entertainment side of the industry and to lean into that. Uh, it's also important to understand that the risks and the downside that it comes with and not to underplay them. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I actually do remember that because I remember a few of the boys were on social media trying to raise money and trying to get him home. Is that the same? Yeah, yeah. So we to... started to go fund Yeah, that's right. Because, um, you know, Cy, Cy came from, you know, a, a rough upbringing. And um, he was the nicest guy in the world, but he didn't have insurance or anything. And, um, you know, there's going to be a lawsuit coming out of it for the promoter because the promoters in Thailand have to have insurance and they didn't have any. And then the Mm. promoter booked it back to China where we can't really get at anyone in China with the CCP and that sort of stuff, which anyway, I won't get into that now. But um, we had to raise money to get him home. And we raised like... The flight home cost like sixty grand or something. Plus all his med- medical bills had to be paid, and uh, yeah, it was just a it was just a a brutal experience for all of us to go through. And um, yeah, it brings a lot of clarity into the fact that there's danger. And Shannon Ross is another example. Yeah. When he got slept there, I was sitting in the crowd thinking, that was "Scary man." You was because you're was sitting there and you scary, they man. on TV you don't get that because they cut to the ads and they don't Correct. show a lot of that stuff. Correct. And you're sitting there in the crowd and you're looking at him and you go. All right, that's ninety seconds. He hasn't moved. Yeah, like he hasn't moved that, at I all. I went through the exact experience yeah. with my wife, man. Yeah, and you're going, come on, come on, come move on, your man, hand, yeah. sit up, sit up, sit up. And then when you sit up, it's like, like yeah. he's all right. Thank yeah. fuck. Yeah, fuck. That's crazy, Jack. This has been an awesome chat. We've got 
We've got if we can wake Marcus up over there. <laughs> Here we've got our we've got our world famous fish tank, mate. Where someone from our awesome community they send in a business idea, and uh and we are. Uh, and we are so we're like Shark Tank, right? We're like Shark Tank. You're yeah. all over yeah, yeah. it, mate. I'm, I'm Kevin O'Leary. If this is Shark Tank, <laughs> <laughs> this is the fish tank. You can be. Oh, are you, Jack you, Jenkins. You, you're Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I will show me the money. That's the only thing I'm interested in. I think Jack's taken to it better than anyone. <laughs> yeah. All over it. Yeah. Yeah. Over to you, great man. Uh, so this one's sent in from Dale Kingsley. Um, so thank you very much, Dale. You'll be getting some crispy merch. You're thank dashing. you. Go on, Dale. Um, so Give this, us some gold. The business is Elemental Artscapes. Not a good start. <laughs> Shit, Dale. Come on, Dale. Oh, give me a chance, boys. Give me a chance. No, 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 all right. no, no, no. So, Elemental Artscapes is all about merging art, artist, artistry and nature, creating breathtaking living masterpieces. I can design and craft one-of-a-kind pe- one landscape installations that blur the boundaries between art and the natural world. I have a unique skill set as a visionary artist, Horticulturalist and craftsman, I can deliver on the visions but have no capital for marketing or materials. I can provide examples of my work. I'd like $50,000 for 20% ownership forever and I'll use the money to secure and deliver my first paid projects. So he's got zero sales and he's got a valuation <laughs> of 250 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. Oh, Kevin, Mr. That, is, <laughs> that is an outrageous offer. <laughs> Give us a look at some examples. He'd want to be fucking Leonardo da Vinci. To, I don't think to he's got anything. He hasn't made anything. Yet. He hasn't even said that. <laughs> Doesn't he in? say I've got examples he of my work? He can share examples. He hasn't, he hasn't sent them in. Oh. What was his name? Dale. Dale. Dale Kingsley. Dale. So, so he's I'm a- out. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. Oh, Dale. So Dale, so it's, yeah, one-off or one-of-a-kind. Is that real high-end Sounds like It's a glamorized landscape, isn't it? I like the idea. Like, everyone wants... Everything's green going forward, right? Everything, mm. everyone wants yeah. to be green and and that stuff. So I, I don't mind the idea. His valuation's just insane. <laughs> like I can't get around that. <laughs> and if you if, if, if you write and in for that reason, and for, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, easy, Kevin. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dale. <laughs> I, I reckon I reckon he's onto something as far as arts go. That's cool. That sounds cool. Mm. I'm visual. I don't know if I'm visualizing it right, but I'm visualizing big walls with crazy. Plant designs and shit, which I'm sure he'd be charging cool. a mint for it as well. Nothing's well, I think if, if you're going to have to, 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 he's going to have to to fucking well, make it work with seen, his valuation. Have you seen how much they charge for like flowers at weddings and shit yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I can yeah. see why yeah. he's coming. Kind of, like, it might cost fifty grand just to get the fucking plants in, yeah, yeah. Or, or just the frame, flowers. just the frame. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, if he plays in the pointy end of the market, you know, in a niche that that he's very good at and he's mm. sought after, and like like anything you do, you get to the pointy end. There's riches for everyone, but yeah, he needs to. I reckon, needs to to some, yeah, I reckon he needs to do some free ones Some first. pro bonos. Some pro bonos. Yeah. Maybe he could, maybe he could get one. Like we got a bit of space for greenery in the little <laughs> yeah. fish potty. The fish doesn't mind a bit <laughs> of could, green. Could send something in. Maybe yeah. get the boys interested. <laughs> I don't mind I, that. I, I, I a bit of exposure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we're, not, Jack's, we're not. Jack straight out, you boys. Uh, Money under the mattress, mate. A bit of work. Wish him all the best. Oh, but oh, gen- and genuine to try and give him some value. Oh, there's a way to do this. Pro bono, do it yourself. Mm. Even if they're only small ones, create a portfolio. Create a portfolio, yeah, and get it going on Instagram. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be way more inclined if I had something to look at. Yeah. Maybe something. Mm. We definitely, me. yeah, because he could just be a like a genius. Could just, <laughs> yeah. be, could just be like you look at it and you go, I need that in my house. Yeah, because yeah, if you maybe could, he's a it'll speak for itself. Yeah, and yeah. the people will share it. And maybe the valuation stacks. Uh, mm. 
<laughs> no <laughs> sales. Free <laughs> <No sales>. revenue, <laughs> mate. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you very much, Dale. Unfortunately, Jack's not in, but <laughs> we wish you the best of luck. Uh, if you have any other business ideas, send them in to pitch at littlefishpodcast.com. Don't be, don't be dissuaded by me. Though. I'm just a fucking fighter from back of smart. So if, you, if, you got, if you got the dream, Fuck go for it. For can, if you got the dream, chase it. Yeah, 100%. Great, right, well said, Jack. Um, thank you very much, Jack. That was good. I just want to talk about your recent, what you're doing at the moment. Um, you spent a bit of time with the the Nelk boys, Salim and Cousin Jay. That's yep. pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. And then obviously you're prepping for a fight as well. So, yeah, so I had... Um, so he's on the piss with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was. I was like, so I, this is a cool, cool story. So when I won my contender series fight, um, I like to think ahead. Like I like to plan for the future. And um, the Nelk boys brand is fairly similar to mine. It's like gambling yeah. heavy, hang with the boys heavy, that sort of thing. Um, so one of my friends was playing football in at UNLV in Vegas at the time and they just launched Happy Dad. So I rang my friend and I said, hey, come to the fights. Here's a ticket, but smuggle in a couple of cans of Happy Dad in your jacket for me. And he goes, yep, sweet. So then I won my contract and when Dana called my name and I walked through the crowd to pick up my contract, he threw me a Happy Dad. So I'm like, sweet. So I keep the Happy Dad and then I cracked it when we got out the back and when I did all my media interviews and stuff out the back, I was drinking Happy Dad. And then the guys who run Full Send MMA, which is the uh, Nelk Boys OG? journalism. Yeah. OG? Yeah. Came OG something? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, who runs their journalism thing. He's like, you got the Happy Dads. And I'm like, yeah, I got one of my friends to smuggle them in. And he's like, that's so funny. And he put it in the group chat with Kyle and Steve and Salim and all that. And then I got connected with them on social media. And I said, hey, look, I know. I mean, I'm going back to Australia and you guys are here, but if you um, want to hook up and play golf and I'll show you around. And then Salim messaged me right after my fight in Jacksonville and he's like, we're going to come to Australia. We haven't decided what city to go to or anything. And I said, well, if you go anywhere that's not Melbourne, you're just wasting your time. Like if you can only, <laughs> if you can only, if you can only do one week, you've got to come to Melbourne. And he's like, sweet, done. So they came to Melbourne. I organized like golf. I organized the clubs that we went to and everything. And you and went to the pies, is that right? You yeah, we to went to the pies. Yeah. yeah, I'm good mates with Geordie, so he yep. got us into the rooms and stuff, which was cool. And uh, yeah, we had a great time. It was really yeah. good. So that was a, that was one of those things. It was it came to fruition for me there. And now the how the good whole, are you though? But fucking because you always yeah, played the scene yeah. early. Yes. Yeah, and then um, those boys are coming to watch my fight in Sydney. So Kyle and. Steve and so Celine, the whole, the, the, whole oh, the whole team are coming starting. over. Yeah, so and they'll be good. They'll be Dana will be going. Why are you going to Sydney? And they'll be going. I don't watch his fucking jacket. I think he's on the prelim somewhere. Well, and that Dana, Dana, Dana loves him. And Dana will be like, "Fuck for real." And then so, <laughs> so that, that's spot then, on. But yeah. that's spot on because Dana loves him as well, right? Yeah, like, exactly. He's a massive, massive fan of him. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. But you create your own luck, man. Will it exactly. be on what, what's like pay-per-view? Yeah, pay-per-view. Yeah, exclusively on... Put the hat around and get Exclusively KO. on KO, KO now. So you used to be able to get it from a few different channels, but we just... Can you get just, it on Foxtel anymore? Uh, main event and main KO. Event, main, main event, event I've, Fox... Fox owns Same KO, yeah, true, so, true, true, true. but it's only through Fox and KO now. That yeah. was what we did the launch for in Sydney last week. Wow! And they're like, "Make sure you say KO. Make sure you say KO." So, <laughs> it's on no, KO. It's on KO. Yeah. Shout out to KO. Wait, did you see was the Volks mural still up there in Sydney? No, I didn't see it. We were at Circular K. I didn't see oh, it. Oh, you didn't no. see it. Mm. 
Fuck, that's that's epic, man. That you've connected with uh, the Happy Dad Boys because you're spot on. You you are. The, that's why they're they're on it as well, mm. right? Because you, you'll be spot running on for their dream. You've got What's one. That, you'll be running a muck with them post final. Yeah, well, right? I fucking ran a muck with Salim fucking three weeks ago. <laughs> what, I'll tell was you he, that much. What, what was he doing? What was he doing in Melbourne? They were just filming content. How old like, that's just what is they he? do. He's a young ass, man. He's like he's 20, 22. Yeah. 20, so yeah, young. Yeah, he's young. But he's like he's funny, man. Like he's just so enthusiastic. He loves. Like he was just, and he was like so thankful for me showing him around. And mm. he was, I, I brought a few of my friends um, who were like sort of in that content space as well. And they all got connected and it was just awesome. Like the whole crew, the way they do things is really, really cool. Mm. They figured it out. Absolutely. You need to get them on the pod. Boy. Yeah. Well, that, when that, when that, when that video launches, that's going to go big. Like we, we, the content we filmed is fucking oh, so it hasn't really come good. Out. Nah. Oh, dude. And you're going to be in it. Yeah. I'll be like. On the full centre. I'll be, I'll be the main feature, I reckon. Like I spent nearly every day with them when they were here so that's when because um, you remember they, they did when they first hooked up with uh, Sugar Sean mm. and mm. they did that video with Sugar Sean in the back of the so the, exactly yeah. there was something very similar to that but we, we did a lot we we played golf on the first day which was fucking unbelievable one of the best <laughs> days of golf I've ever had and then uh, we went to the footy and then they came to the gym and we did some like training stuff and then we went to uh Chapel Street we went, to, <laughs> went to the Osborne And then to the Emerson Which was just Fucking bonkers like, <laughs> And they're getting recognised Yeah Yeah Fucking oath yeah. Like yeah. we were there Like fucking all the Collingwood boys Were hanging out with us Like the Dacos boys And Geordie and all that So We had a bit of a big night And yeah I had to I had to wrap it up After that Because they, they ended up Extending and staying For like two weeks They were only supposed uh-huh. To be here for a week And they just like We love Melbourne, Melbourne We're just going to stay We're just yeah. going to stay And I was like Look, I'm back training. I, can't, I, can't, I was like, I can't come out the second time. So you boys are on your own, but they managed. Oh, that's, that's, awesome. Yeah. that's awesome, Jack. Thanks so much for coming on, mate, and wish you all the best. The upcoming fight, we're going to stream it here. I reckon, many. Yeah, yeah. yeah unless I end up on a plane, man. Like I'm fucking tempted to go up oh, there. Sydney. Do you got tickets yet? No, I haven't got tickets. You'll be fucked. They're sold out. No. <laughs> hey, 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 Jackie boy, but I know someone. Oh, I know. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got yeah, a connect yeah. that might be able to hook me up. No, nah, awesome. Have we missed anything, Jack? Any, anything you want to mention on the way out? No, nah, not really. Um, oh, can I ask one question? Yeah, though, of course. Going back into the thing, really interested in uh, you don't have a manager. Yep. What was the because again, Sean O'Malley, he doesn't have one either. But most fighters do, right? Yeah. What, what was the decision behind that? And and have you been tempted to like Ash is? I'm thinking the Volks manager Ash. He's like. Ash is great. Yeah, he's insane. Ash is great. So I think, okay, okay, Tim Simpson's great. Ash is great. Fucking 90% of managers are just useless cunts. Yeah. <laughs> that, just want, that just want a PC. I, like. I was about to say, he sounds smart enough. Oh, <laughs> yeah. mate. And, like, and they do fuck all. Like, okay. they really do fuck all for a lot of people. So, and again, I speak from a high horse here because I signed with Paradigm and Tim Simpson, right? And Tim Simpson was the reason I signed. Not Paradigm. Don't give a fuck about Paradigm. Yeah, yeah. But Tim Simpson really sold me. He's an Aussie guy. He's a brilliant guy. He's really switched on. And Tim did the work behind the scenes with Sean Shelby and that. And obviously, how much of the work is me and the work I've put in and the performance I put in before I got in? Fucking probably 99%. But that 1% at the end to make the connection and, and go, let's get him on, let's get him on. That that 1% at the end was, was Tim. Um, so I'm thankful for Tim. But then Tim ended up leaving Paradigm and starting his own thing. And I was caught in the middle of a contract where I'd signed with Paradigm, but Tim was my manager. Uh, so instead of following Tim and going to his company and staying with Paradigm, I just said, fuck it, I'm doing it myself. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that managers do, 
at the entry level is they get you in and then they kind of just show you the ropes. If you're fucking reasonably intelligent and you can read and follow instructions and mm. send forms back to the UFC and shit, a lot of the shit's pretty easy to do. It's not even and that. And if you're smart enough, yeah. you're carrying a happy dad. And it, yeah, and it's like <laughs> shit like that, right? You don't need a fucking manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, it's like, and it's like, and then what? Are you going to, like, these guys are going to look at my, I'm going to fucking market myself and brand myself and make connections with companies. And then these managers are going to come in and take fucking 20% of the deal because they read the contract. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I, like, and I, like, I've negotiated myself. Like, I'm about to do my first equity deal with a company that's starting where I'm going to take a piece of the company at the start to be a brand ambassador. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm doing deals already where, and I actually enjoy doing it. I'm happy to, I'm happy to sit down and, I get why a lot of people need that that middleman to be able to say no. The, it's going to be more money, or it's going to be no. You can't have that. No, you can't have this. But I'm like, I sort of have the fortitude. I'm happy to sit there across the table from someone and go, "Hey, your offer is not high enough. Like, I think I'm worth more than that." Yeah. Which some people are uncomfortable doing, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" Like, I've <laughs> fucking done this my whole life to get here. If you want me to work with you and I believe in your company or I believe in what you're selling which is important then let's work out a deal that's mutually beneficial and every company I work with now is fucking brilliant like I had um I love my horse racing so I was I was there I was pretty hot in the market for the gambling companies I had like sports bet man well no not sports bet I had I had like four or five of the gambling companies here offer me deals directly and I was like well I just said to him honestly I'm like I'm Everyone wants a piece of it. The pe- everyone wants the signature and and wants me to do it. I'm gonna go with the company that I align myself with best. Who has the best offer and which which of it I'm gonna be able to have creative freedom. That's not gonna be me doing your brand mm. and you just hamstring uh, I, yeah, yeah and hamstring me. I want to go with the company that's gonna let me build my brand with you and yeah. we can work with it. And then so I, I ended up going with Dabble, which is. Dabble's really like the, a bit of a disruptor in the in the space there. They still wouldn't be consi- considered one of the big three or four in the gambling space, but they they're getting really big. And they let me like I'll go, I'll ring them and be like, "Hey, I've got this idea for content. Can we work something out?" And they'll be like, "That sounds sick." So like for Sydney, we've got this real cool content concept coming out. Dabble are all behind it. They're working with me, so yeah. I'm I'm happy enough to do those deals for myself. And it, in times where I do think I might be in over my head, like if someone's giving me a contract and I'm like, fuck, this doesn't make sense or like this is so big, then I can always go and hire a lawyer or a mm, contract 100%. lawyer or someone to represent me yeah. for that specific deal and then not be fucking tied to them forever. Yeah, like a lot yeah. of these guys are getting signed on three-year deals where any anything that happens inside that three years that you owe them fucking 20% yeah, for and then 10% of your fight, it's like we don't make that much fucking money. Yeah. Like if you if you do a 10 grand deal, like 10 grand US, and then you've got to pay two grand to them and then 10% of your fight purse, and all they've done is look over a contract because the company approached them to get to you. It's like, get fucked. When, when, when was the tipping point to, to start getting those sponsors because you spoke about earlier about how difficult it was to, to survive mm. you know, with the resources well, and pay for the coaches. So when was that tipping point for you? Well, so it's funny. It's There's two different types. There's sponsors where I would call them different, like it's an ambassador deal or it's a sponsorship, right? So a sponsorship is when you're on the local scene and for the business, it doesn't necessarily have a, an ROI for them. It's like a- Brand recognition. Yeah, the, yeah. all it is, yeah. it's like- Hey, we see you grinding. 
we want to help. So a real good example of that, there's a company from back of Smash called Shane Cook Homes. And one day, Shane and his mates, big horse racing guys, I used to love when they come into the pub. They, you know, they know my dad. I've known him since I was a kid. And Shane and, and his mates were drinking at the pub and... I'd ha- I'd, I was getting ready for a fight and I sat down and I had like chicken breast and broccoli was like my lunch on my break at the pub. And at the end of that night, Shane came up to me and he owns a really successful company and he's a great guy. And he said, hey mate, stop by the office on during the week. We want to sponsor you. We want to help you out. Like I see you fucking eating your chicken and broccoli. Like we know how hard you work. So then he just, got, he, he just gave me some money out of the company coffers and said, use that however you want. Like use it for rent, use it for petrol, use it to pay for more gear, use it to pay for coaches, Wh- whatever it might be, we just want to help out, right? So that's a sponsorship and that's one thing. Once you get big enough, then you break into the thing where, no, 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 now I have value for your company. This is a yeah. very different negotiation, right? So I'm, I'm at that point now, but I wouldn't have got here probably without people like Shane and, yeah. you know, Tripod Farmers is another one, good friends of mine who, who helped me out on that local scene. So you do need to have people backing you in, otherwise you yeah yeah but that comes down to like like what kind of person are you like i i feel like you can talk and hold a conversation yeah Yeah. and those those guys like um like shane i I, his son was is a footy player and his son was only a kid so when he helped me out like i started going down and holding pads for his son and helping his son get fit for footy and stuff like that so there's always going to be a little quid pro quo it's always going to be like I'm going to represent your company a little bit, whether you like it or not. We're going to have a relationship. I remember like just little things like a couple of companies sponsored me. So I made sure at Christmas, I I got like a, a bottle of drink and I wrote them a card to say how much I appreciated it. Went to their house at Christmas, had a drink with them. Like little things yeah, like 100%. that that make a difference. Yeah. And then Shane and that, what's, what's cool for me now is those guys that help me, I don't need the couple of grand that here and there that back in there it was life-changing for me like a couple of grand was like fuck that's another couple of months of being able to do this whereas now that wouldn't necessarily make a massive difference for me but people like shane and carmel ruffo and those people who helped me out now i'm like here's tickets like come yeah, to the, come to the ufc and and his son's like i'm like here come do this with me or yeah. whatever it might be now you can sort of pay it back in a different way which is cool yeah that's yeah. sick yeah I think it's man it's good people helping good people always you know what I mean? always like, find that if you're a good oh, if you're a good person other good people will get around you. It finds its way back. Oh, definitely, it? definitely. Yeah. Nah, nice work, Jack. It's you're on a wicked journey, mate, and and you got your head screwed on. So I'm excited to watch. Yeah, we'll have a party. I mean? <laughs> if we don't go to Sydney, we'll have a party. Yeah, here, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good venue we'll be- here. You should do some like live yeah, we got Dex things. on yeah. and stuff big speakers you got Dex and shit oh yeah I got the Dex <laughs> yeah, can, I, can I hire this you hire this joint <laughs> you can actually yeah. Right. you can use it you don't yeah. have to hire it yeah. just tell uh, us when uh, you want well, to use I'm, it I've got an event I've got an event coming up you can I've, got, I've got a big will event it, will it be up. left standing when you're gone no 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 it's it's a quite it's only going to be it's only going to be 12 to 15 people yeah well you can use but it I've already man. got I've already got an Which alcohol 12 to 15 you got Geordie and Dusty <laughs> 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 hey, like, yeah, nah, we're out Salim, we're out we're out fucking Salim the Nelk boys the Nelk boys roll in and they're like nah fuck we've seen we've seen the YouTube vids mate you're out <laughs> <laughs> nah awesome mate whenever you need it but yeah well done mate and yeah all the best for the future let's go yeah. awesome thanks boys appreciate it good luck nice time, please like share subscribe anyone that's going to get value see you at the top Woo! of a winning team. People can find a better version of themselves. If they choose. Hmm. You just need to go start some shit. Action is all that matters. Be a man of your word. I think I look back now and I'm like, whoa, that took some guts. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. See you at the top. New episode every Wednesday.